everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and this is The Watchman. We're sounding the alarm for the peril and the uncertainty that lie ahead. Our commitment is for the objective truth, and The Watchman will always call out whenever we see those that live in the land of the fifth dimension attempt to put feelings and emotions in front of facts and truth. We're always going to call out the real motives of those living in the land of the unlimited imagination. We'll expound on the underreported facts, and today we're going to be doing that with Rick Crump. And Rick is a management consultant by trade with his own firm called Kinetic Experience, helping Fortune 500 companies solve complex business problems. He's back with us today. He's also a member of the Berks County Republican Committee. Welcome back to The Watchman, Rick. Great to be here. Thank you. Well, thanks for being with us. And I want to talk a little bit about the uh, the Peloton commercial. I think what's really compelling on this, I don't know how many of our listeners, were, well, first off, what is a Peloton? A Peloton is a very unique extra piece of exercise equipment that is very highly touted as something that is, uh, you know, state-of-the-art and, uh, you know, it's something that people are looking into because it personalizes a workout with, uh, you know, with sound effects and the whole bit. Uh, music or whatever, a person, an instructor there coaching along the whole bit. So they have a commercial that came out, and, and I guess our intersectional Gestapo hit squad went out there on social media and they went amuck on this. Uh, they were claiming that this was male chauvinist run amuck, and uh, I think this is intersectionality gone amuck. Peloton released a statement uh, that came out, and they, they were disappointed in and how some have misinterpreted the commercial and that they're encouraged by the outpouring of support they received. Look, intersectional nonsense is that the college is now being exposed. It's all over the place. And I think what we're finding is we have, we have a, uh, a group of people who are not trying to, well, they're, they're, they're perpetually oppressed, folks. They're just constantly looking for being who's oppressing them next. So we have them out there upset because a husband buys his wife a Peloton exercising bike, and she's all excited about it. She gets on it. She does the Facebook picture on it, and she's like, here I am on my first day, and she's all excited. Well, somehow, intersectional nonsense came into play, and they thought that this was chauvinistic and patriarchal of some sort. I guess they thought this was some sort of uh, a poison coming from her husband. I, I don't know, Rick. Uh, what are your thoughts on these intersectional nonsensical moves that these people are making and their attack on a commercial that shows a wife appreciative and and happy that she got this bike and likely because she asked for this, okay? Uh, of course, they, 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 they seem to forget that, and that uh, the intersectional Gestapo Nazis that are out there. Uh, Rick, I mean, what are your thoughts on, on how they're twisting this into some, uh, into some corrupt communication? Yeah, at its very core, this is an important premise um, to know and understand about feminism. At its very core, feminism is angry with God and the way God des- designed his ordained order. That's it. That's, if, you, if you know nothing else, look through that lens and you'll understand why feminists do what they do. They, they hate God. They hate the way, for instance, they despise the uh, sexual male nature. They despise the fact that men are visually driven. They, 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 they try to demonize us for it. They try to make us uh, sound like perverts for it. Uh, it. They despise God's design, okay? So in this, they will always take advantage of an opportunity 
to attack male sexuality. They will. That's their primary goal. Just know that. And the Peloton commercial is is the latest example. Now, it's interesting because, like you said, the wife wasn't offended when the husband gave her the gift. How do they know that she didn't ask for it for Christmas? How do they know that, how do they know that, that she doesn't want to look good for her husband, right? Whatever the reasons are. So it's interesting how they're trying to demonize male sexuality and, and make it into, make that commercial into something it's not. And, uh, and the whole time, it, 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 there's no there there. Uh, quick story, though, about, about men doing this, though, for their wives. I, I remember a number of years ago, my wife was full-time employed, had a good career going. When our children came along, we made the commitment that uh, she would be home. We were both in agreement. She'd be home uh, taking care of the kids and... I remember she was really struggling with that transition, and I remember I, I bought her a Franklin Cubby planner at that time. And most people that use Franklin Cubby planners use them in the professional world, but they're they're wonderful just for helping you manage your life in general. And I bought her the class to go along with it. And I'll never forget the reaction. She was the only stay-at-home mom that was in the class. Everybody else was like full-time career people. And and even a couple of women in the class made this snide remark to her about how dare I buy this class for her? What was I trying to imply that somehow she didn't have her act together? <clears throat> My wife was very appreciative. She actually was very. The stress level came down in her life as she learned these concepts and began to use this tool. And, and to this day, every Christmas, uh, she asks for those planner inserts to replace last year's inserts so she can continue to stay organized. So you know. Men trying to do something for their wife will often be uh, mm. demonized for it. But stick to your guns, love your wives, and provide them what they need. You know, and, and, and uh, on another note, you know, as time goes by, as couples, we tend to let ourselves go. And I'll never forget a couple of years ago, my wife came to me, and she wanted to make a renewed commitment <clears throat> to getting herself in shape for me. Imagine that. Imagine a wife that would come to her husband and say, you know, it's it, not about her she wants to look good for her husband i was just floored by that and so appreciative and so you know those are the things as christians that we need to remind people of too that, that a husband loving his wife and trying to do something there's nothing wrong with that and we don't need to read into it what's what's not there and we don't need to demonize male sexuality and, and we can we have a real opportunity when when things like this happen to go out and and share god's truth about marriage and about sexuality and about uh, the, the way men and women think. We have an opportunity. So I've, I actually like it when these things happen only because I, I look at the uh, feminists and I go, thank you for another opportunity for me to expose you. Thank you for another opportunity for me to, to show you, to show the world what God intended. Well, I think what's interesting in, in your explanation, uh, well, your, your description of how they were offended with, with your wife uh, accepting this gift, and they were all like, well, gee, you should be so offended. You know what's interesting is, see, they don't get it. They don't get it. They don't get the fact that America is rejecting their speech codes, okay, and they're rejecting their safe spaces and their two-way petting zoos where the animals pet you back. They don't get the idea that we are rejecting this, this nonsense that there's something wrong with masculinity and there's something wrong with femininity. They don't get the fact that as Americans, we're rejecting it. And as we talked earlier on the point, Britain rejected it resoundingly. I think what's concerning all these people is they've convinced, again, they're, 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 they're convincing people that their world is coming to an end in climate change and because of all this intersectional nonsense. And yet people are rejecting it. I mean, they're rejecting it resoundingly. Nobody wants to be a part of it. They're virtue signaling. 
What's interesting is their virtue signaling with their radical, nutty ideology and weaponizing against an American company. That's what's happening. And how did this happen? Again, American society, American universities have created a massive diversity bureaucracy dedicated to one proposition, that American society is profoundly bigoted, racist, and sexist. And we, as faculty, are also profoundly bigoted, racist, and sexist. And therefore, we have to teach this this in our schools. This is an amazing phenomenon. If these children can be convinced of something that isn't real, what are the consequences down the road? You see, they do see, they, they see oppression everywhere, okay? They were seeing racism, okay? They were seeing racism in the Christmas ornaments in the White House. They actually came out and said they're too white. Or they're seeing sexism in a Peloton commercial. Okay, or or whatever. I mean, they're 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 out there. Again, they don't they don't they don't want to. They don't want to integrate. They want to separate. That's their goal. Their goal is to separate, not integrate. The theme being conveyed by Democrats is that America is a white supremacist country, misogynist nation. This is not only incorrect; it's poisonous. America is a society that offers opportunity to everyone. Well, let's look at the hiring practices of all mainstream institutions. These college kids are leaving college, learning to take on therapeutic rock painting to recover from an oppressive workday. That's what's coming out. They're not educating these kids. This is a real disservice, and it's, these kids are being told time and time again that they're oppressed. Eventually, this is going to sink into them. Van Jones was on MSNBC, and they were asking him about the universities, uh, you know, in, in this, uh, I want to say this, uh, you know, this, this intersectional nonsense that's going on with this bureaucracy in these, in, these, in these universities. And he was being asked by this. And he says, our goal is to have these kids come out of college knowing every day that they're oppressed. And he said this, folks. I'm not making this up. Van Jones said it. And if you want to Google who the guy is, you'll realize he also worked for Barack Hussein Obama back in 2009. That's right. He was, a, he was employed by the Marxist himself. You know, again, they're leaving college, learning to take on therapeutic rock painting. Folks, these people are out there. They're insane. This is so sad. These, these kids graduate without an education. The other glaring reality is they're bringing this twisted ideology into the working world and they're going to weaponize their crazy, twisted ideology in the lawsuits against their employers and their co-workers. I mean, again, they don't want to integrate. They want to separate. This is division, folks, and this is going to put a tremendous strain and challenges to the First Amendment and our society as a whole. It pits people against people. It was Abe Lincoln who stated that the philosophy of the schoolroom is the philosophy of government down the road. And I think Karl Marx also said that, and Saul Lewinsky said that. This must, this again, you know, this must be fought and dismantled at the universities, folks. We've got to pull this up by the roots. I don't know. One way I can think of is not guaranteeing loans from these colleges. That might be a start that Trump will do when he gets reelected. 
Uh, Rick, what are your final thoughts on this as we move on to the malarkey that's going on in Joe Biden's bus, no malarkey bus door? Yeah, well, the division, of, you know, the division in society, look at the Ten Commandments, folks. Um, the, the secular leftism that's, that's uh, trying to gain ground in our society is literally trying to do it by attacking the Judeo-Christian uh, law that God gave us, and that is, for instance, thou shalt not covet. Well, socialism is based, totally based and relies on covetousness, right? Uh, honor your father and mother. What's the, what, are the, what are the secular systems trying to teach children today about uh, disregarding their mother and father, right? Uh, don't bear false witness. You have people coming out and promoting the fact that you don't have to have facts to make accusations, and, and you don't have to back them up. I mean, the, the canary in the coal mine, look at your society, look at how it measures up against the Ten Commandments, and look at, and look at how they're deliberately attacking it. We have the weapon of truth on our side. And as Christians, we should go forward and expose this constantly and call them out. Don't just stand there and shake our heads and wag our fingers. Let's start calling them out explicitly for this. And, and as you know, Clay, at Kinetic Faith, that's the core part of our mission is helping equip people with these apologetics. Well, I'm with you, my friend. I'm with you. Let's talk a little bit about the malarkey that's going on. Joe, Joe Biden's no malarkey bus tour. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, it took his bus tour took a wrong turn. Look, Biden was asked a question about his son taking a— taking a board of directors job on Burisma without experience, without expertise, and without knowledge. Now, what's interesting is the guy that was in his town hall that asked this was a, he's a lifelong Democrat. The guy's a Democrat. So he's at Biden's event supporting Biden, and he asks Biden a very difficult question, a question that Biden could not anticipate was coming. <laughs> Biden did not anticipate anyone ever asking him about his son taking a job at Barisma, making almost a million dollars a year. Okay, I'm, I'm amazed that Biden thought that this question would never come up. So this guy asks the question, and he asks if Biden was selling access, and Biden responded with anger and content. You're a blankety-blank liar, man, he said. You're a liar. No one ever said that, he said. He went on the state, and he started walking down, to, started walking down and staring down the guy to get up in his grill. And he said, you've seen this on TV. He said, and then he challenged the guy's physical appearance, calling him fat. And he said, he said the reason he's running for president is he's been around for years and knows more than anyone else. Boy, that's an elitist for you. (laughs) And I know more than anybody. That's why I'm running. If you want to check my shape, he said, let's do some push-ups together. Then he yelled at the guy, telling him to get his word straight, Jack. I mean, he went off on his donor, and I'm going to tell you something. I was really amazed. Now, I personally, I, I, I'd i like to hear Joe just answer the question. I think we all would like to hear the answer to that question. What qualified your son, Joe, Hunter, Hunter Biden, to work at this company to make nearly a million dollars a year, Joe? Don't just say there's no corruption. Explain how your son got the job, Joe. Explain how it wasn't as Hunter Biden stated. See, Hunter Biden stated his name got him the job. Well, all right. Well, we know that. We just got to get dad to acknowledge it. So don't segue to let me do push-ups, Joe. This has got to concern every Democrat because he has no answer for it. That's what's got to concern these Democrats. If he, if he can't take a supporter, a question from one of his supporters, who, by the way, probably isn't a supporter right now, and I wouldn't be surprised if this guy is jumping on the Trump train. Uh, but what, if, he, if he can't take a question from this guy, who's, who's he going to take a question from, Rick? Yeah. If he's, 
if if Biden is triggered that much by one of the people in his own camp asking him, then just wait until he's staring down a double-barreled Trump armed with investigation facts that not even Biden has seen. When they get on the public stage, if they end up on a, facing each other in, in a debate, can you imagine how triggered he'll be when, when Trump starts rallying off a whole bunch of things about this that, that Biden's not even aware that Trump knows? I mean, <laughs> I, I can't. Orville Redenbacher's going to make millions off of me over the next three years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, if I can make this point real quick. Sure. You know, they called us the, the no malarkey bus tour. Well, you know, in this case, what they're really trying to say is malarkey is another word for no spin, right? Well, <laughs> of course you're going to call it the no malarkey bus tour because everybody knows that Joe Biden isn't capable of spin because he's not smart enough. So they're going to give the, the tour a name that he can live up to. He's not smart enough to spin. Notice they didn't name it things like the no foot and mouth tour, uh, the no conflict of interest tour, the no creepily sniffing children tour. They're not going to name it those things because he can't live up to that. Oh, my goodness. I'm telling you, on this No Malarkey bus tour, he talked about that. I could not believe it. It's creepy, creepy statements. I, I got to tell you, uh, our listeners need to be listening to it. I mean, it's so creepy. I really don't want to talk about him on the on the radio here. I mean, that's how creepy that, what his statements were. I'm not kidding you, folks. Uh, his, his experience at a pool. Uh, I'm, just, I'm not going to go any further with that. You guys can, our listeners can tune in, to, uh, YouTube the uh, videos yourself and listen to what he had to say. It's amazing. But, I mean, look, this has got to give Democrats nightmares of a landslide defeat. I think now they're looking back at Brexit going, I don't believe this. They rejected intersectionality in Britain. They're going to reject it here. I, I, I see this. And Biden makes no sense. He doesn't. You know, the guy said he's not. So the guy, the guy later said, well, I'm not going to vote for you. And Biden told the guy, well, of course you're not. You're too old for me. That's right, folks. He said he told the guy, I know you're not going to vote for me because I'm, you're too old to vote for me. Again, more malarkey on the Joe Biden malarkey bus tour. No malarkey bus tour. I think that's very compelling when he's hammering his own supporters like that. Like you said, he's, he got triggered. I mean, he was unhinged with this guy. How is he going to handle Trump hitting him in the eye with this stuff? I, I mean, I mean, I got to tell you. If I were the Democrats, I'd be saying, I mean, what are they going to do? Because the media can't give this guy cover like that. When he's the only candidate, he's going to be out there doing gaff after gaff after gaff. And I'm telling you, this stuff will be getting all kinds of airplay because it's the only thing they got. They can only protect them so much. And I think this guy's got nothing but problems down the pike here. But, uh, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, I mean, no malarkey buster. I like the fact that he was asked. Now, Joe Biden voted for a balanced budget amendment back in 1990. So another, another fake news reporter named John Harwood, when he asked, he asked Biden if he still supported the balanced budget amendment. And Biden's answer, again, <laughs> on his no malarkey bus tour, was filled and laced with malarkey. <laughs> Biden's answer was, no, I'm not going to support the balanced budget amendment. These are different times. He says, we're likely to inherit a recession. I mean, what's he talking about? Didn't he just get the news of the, of the economic numbers and the fact that Canada's losing almost 100,000 jobs a month and we're gaining hundreds of thousands? I, I don't know if he got the latest news on that, but I mean, I'm absolutely befuddled that he would that he would give an answer like that on his balanced budget amendment. Uh, Rick, what are your thoughts on not so much to vote for a balanced budget amendment? I think that was a smart vote, 
But to say I'm not going to support it now because these are different times. Rick, what what's he mean by times? Well, I think where he was going with that was where he tried. He, he was trying to basically say I'm not going to vote for it because, and let me take you where I really want to go with the conversation, which was he was trying to say we're going to inherit a, a recession. Remember, I've made this claim on the show before that the, the strategy of the left is to actually um, – make you dependent on them ultimately so how do you do that well you first you create envy and strife with your fellow man and then you get people to trust you to raise taxes and 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 put in more regulation and and then when the economy does slow down you you have the answer with socialism right so he's preemptively saying we're going to inherit a recession because he's basically saying you know if we get in power we're going to create the the the, uh the environment where you'll need to depend upon us I mean, they're they're like, they're so transparent in everything they do. And all we have to do is recognize it, and then we can keep calling it out. Well, I think what's amazing is Biden said that these are different times. So, I mean, although he supported responsible spending in 1990, because these are different times, he no longer supports responsible spending. I mean, that's what I'm getting out of it. No, of course I don't... I don't support responsible spending, folks. Of course not. Do you realize how much health care for all doctors for no one is going to cost this country? Do you understand this is going to cost us $4.5 trillion a year for the next 10 years? Do you know that, folks? Well, remember, I can't support responsible spending. Do you realize how much it's going to cost? Responsible spending makes for smaller government, too, right? Smaller <laughs> that's spending right. makes for smaller government. That's so right. That's where he doesn't want the conversation to go. Well, I mean, he's saying, he's saying, you know, do you think I can support responsible spending now when I'm supporting, uh, when I'm supporting, uh, you know, the, the universal basic income, which is going to cost $4 trillion a year? Yep. I mean, exactly. how are we going to yeah. do this? How am I going to support responsible spending when I'm proposing to increase government by four or five times? What and it how is can now. I sell you more government? How can I sell you more government if I admit the economy is doing fine without us? So that's why I say he went where he was trying to steer the conversation was that, oh, Trump's Trump's making a wreck of everything, so it's inevitable that we'll have a, a recession by the time we get into office. And it's really an excuse. Number one, it's going to make an excuse for why the economy is going to fall falter under them because they're incompetent. But number two, that's where they want to take it anyways because that's how they, they justify expansion of government and, and socialism. Well, I could just imagine, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure Trump can come up with better questions to ask Joe Biden if he was to debate him. No, I can't wait. I, I, if he was to debate him. But, I mean, let me just give you a, t- a sample question. So, Mr. Biden, do you still support the balanced budget amendment of 1990? And, of course, he says, of course I do. Well, I have a statement that you made to uh, to John Harwood of Fake News himself, and uh, you said that you don't because these are different times. Is this are these different times tonight in this debate than they were when you answered that question ten months ago? And he'll say, well, or or he might just say like he's answer like he did with this guy Harwood, and he would say, well, I don't support the balanced budget amendment now because these are different times. And then of course, then Trump can follow that up by saying. Well, of course, how can you support health care for all, doctors for no one, for $4.5 trillion a year when our entire government is only $4.4 trillion right now? So you're proposing doubling our government just with that. And so how yep. can that be responsible spending? And I guess you're just telling your, your constituents, you're right, if you elect me as president, I will no longer be a responsible 
spending. I will no longer be a responsible steward and leader of this country. I, and the bottom line is this this guy's incredible. And, and the other thing, I'd be, as the show's winding down here, I just want to quickly get to him ruling out the possibility that he's going to voluntarily testify at the impeachment proceedings. What are your thoughts on that, Rick, what, as we wrap this up? Well, like I said, they call it the no malarkey tour because he's, he's not capable of thinking forward enough about uh, trying to spin stuff. He's just really not that smart. And if they do end up calling him, he's either going to incriminate or he's going to plead the fifth. And so he's got all this bravado, but all you have to go, down, go do is go look at his track record. And he constantly, he has foot and mouth disease all the time. And his, his people have to be rolling their eyes because he's just not going to, it's not going to end well for him if he decides he's going to go up on that stand and testify because the truth and the facts are going to be starkly against him. And then, and then of course, what's he going to do? He's going to turn around and plead the fifth. And how's that going to look with independents, you know, the people that actually do think? Their base will always vote for them because they're mindless followers. But the independents that they're trying to win over, they're losing them in droves over this impeachment inquiry. And, and, and imagine what's going to happen if he tries to get up there and testify and it backfires on him. They'll, they'll lose all of the third of the independents. Well, they're losing them now. I, like I said, uh, we talked about this earlier today. Uh, you know, the, the recent polling that's out in battleground states is just such terrible news. This Brexit vote, I mean, it's not that the conservatives won, folks. It's that the conservatives trounced, absolutely trounced, okay, the, 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 the socialists. And the rejection, England's rejection of the Marxist ideals, if you will, the Marxist twisted message, if you will, of, of, uh, of, uh, of intersectionality and income inequality and punishing successful people and, and more promised punishments if they're more successful. Folks, all of that discussion was defeated. It was defeated at the polls, and they know that's coming here next year, and that's all they have to offer this country. All these bad candidates have, all Joe Biden has to offer is promised punishments and promised really bad programs. I mean, this is not about you can keep your doctor if you like it, folks. This Medicare for all means they will get rid of private health care completely. And this is what they're proposing. Let's make no mistake on this. This is what they're proposing. So, uh, again, uh, I appreciate the fact that this is where we are today. And I, I think that uh, uh, Joe Biden is uh, part of the Marxist brigade that's going to go down for the count when this election hits. I'd be surprised if he's the nominee. I really would be. But if he is, if he's the best they got and they put him out there, I'm telling you, he's going to look so bad every day for month and month and month on end. And I think America is going to get a good glimpse of what these people have in store for this country, which is nothing but a contracting economy and promised punishments on successful people. Folks, we are out of time. We appreciate you tuning in to us today on The Watchmen. We appreciate you listening to us. Continue to listen to us every Saturday afternoon right here on AM Radio 1180 WFYL for this compelling discussion. And uh, on The Watchmen, it's played every Saturday at 4.30. So tune in again next week at 4.30 and uh, on the, for The Watchmen. For Rick, I'm Clay Brees. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week. Goodbye for now.